Hey there. This episode of Tail Chase comes to you from a hotel room at the North American Falconers Association field meet, which was held in Great Bend, Kansas this year. We had an incredible time at the meet, got to meet some really great people, and we really appreciate our guests sitting down this week and taking the time to talk with us. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the episode. Okay, thank you for listening to Tail Chase. I'm Nick Mazzara. Graham Scarborough. And as you're dealing poker, if you want to introduce yourself around the table here, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. And uh, got, got a few people here in the room, so. Sheldon Nicole from Texas. North American Falconers Association president. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then <new> you. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Turner, uh, currently a resident of Idaho, but I move whenever I feel like it. Yeah. What do you do for a living? Uh, do abatement falconry for a living, or falconry-based bird abatement. So explain, because some of the people that listen to this are like into hunting, but they don't know what abatement means. So could you just so, explain that a little bit? Falconry-based bird abatement is basically using trained hawks and falcons to harass or occasionally catch and get rid of nuisance birds, things like starlings, pigeons, seagulls. Where do you do this at? Um, honestly, anywhere people will pay me to do it, but I prefer, like, the western side of the country. Okay, like orchards and vineyards and stuff? Orchards, vineyards, uh, refineries, power plants... Uh, any commercial area that would do it. I mean, we can do airports, landfills, okay. all sorts of different areas where nuisance birds getting in and spreading trash or eating the fruit. Uh, sometimes the bird droppings is, themselves oh. can be a problem, uh-huh. uh, spreading disease and, and things of that nature. All right. We got a couple more. I'm Dan Murray. Okay. I live in Oklahoma. Yeah, what do you fly, Dan? I've got a, um, currently I've got a Perlin and a uh, an Ias and Nodden. What's a Perlin? Perlin is a, a peregrine cross with a Merlin. Okay. So he, spe- specifically, he's a, a, a Nodden peregrine and a Richardson. Okay. Yeah. Is the dad a peregrine and the mom's a Merlin? Or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, they call them perlins here. Over in the UK and stuff, they call them, like, merligrins or whatever. Oh, okay. I don't think it has anything to do with the, you know, which one's male. Or, okay. I don't think you could do a jack merlin and do a peregrine and the baby would be big enough to get out of the egg. But I don't know okay. that for sure. You'd have to ask a breeder that. Yeah. I no, I know you can do Jersey merlins either way. Yeah. And the eggs are, you know, obviously there's a big difference, but uh, they come out the same eventually. Yeah. Which is wild to me to think that, like, you got an egg that's, like, that big, you know, like, an inch or whatever. I don't know how big a Merlin egg is. And then you have a Jur egg that's like that, but the end result is the same. Yeah. Like, because they got to go through different growth spurts to reach. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the physiology behind it. 
Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Well, I mean, if they can do it with Jerlins, then, then I would have to assume it's possible with Peregrines. Then. I would think so. I don't know. All right, and we got one more. Oh, Taylor. Yeah? And what do you do, Taylor? I do abatement with Jordan. Okay. Yeah. So, and what do you fly? What do you use for abatement? Uh, for abatement, I have a Peregrine Barbary. Okay. He's my... He's the only one worth mentioning anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, we're all here. Uh, we're at the NAFA meet, which is the North American Falconers Association meet. Uh, field meet. It's like a big convention where all the falconers uh, from across the country and even internationally get together. Uh, we hunt together, sit around, talk. It's a good time. Um, and we're kind of the last remaining people <laughs> that yes. have not gone home to their families yet. That's why we were picked. Yep. <laughs> Just scraping the bottom of the barrel there. <laughs> well, I guess you'll do. No, we uh, we all went to dinner together tonight, and you know started having some really enjoyable conversations. Said, hey, let's let's put uh, put the recorder down and uh, kind of put this out there for everybody else to enjoy. You know, it's this is my first NAFA meet. Graham, I think it's your first as well. Correct. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's it's been a very interesting and eye-opening experience to see different people fly their birds and get to meet a bunch of the faces that I've seen on Facebook and you know, other people that have just heard their names and meet all kinds of new people and it's it's been incredible it takes a whole lot of work to put on this kind of event and so to see that kind of come to fruition and get to enjoy the fruits of other people's labor has been pretty awesome. So, what was it about what you expected? Like when you envisioned, like I'm gonna go on first half of me. Was it about what you were thinking? More drinking? Like what <laughs> did you think? Do you feel as cool now as you did when you came here, or do you feel cooler because you came? I have no delusions of grandeur, so that's part of falconry. It uh... <laughs> we delude ourselves into thinking well, this would be good. There's constant ego checks, especially with uh, flying your first long wing. So yeah, she didn't exactly do great up here, which. I mean, it's all part of the learning process, but which I mean, we can talk about some of those those flights that we had this week too. But it would be interesting. It it was about what I expected, in all honesty. Uh, I think the people were more welcoming than I expected. You know, falconers can be a cantankerous bunch at times, and so it was really great to get to be around so many different people who you know you have this passion in in common with and. It just was really easy to strike up conversations with people I've never met before. You know, and that was really nice. Me? Uh, well, so my dad's a falconer, so I grew up around okay. it. He stopped going to NAFA meets, I don't know, in the 90s. Um, he's kind of a hermit uh, as far as falconry goes. Like, he still practices. Right. Um, but he just isn't real social anymore. Um, and me... It was like, I don't know, this is kind of weird, but like, I don't, I don't have like a lot of friends. Like I'm like a few friends kind of guy, but they're like top shelf people. And, um, then I was thinking like, you know, I don't pursue friendships with anybody that shares this common interest with me, except for like Nick, um, and a couple of people. But, uh, so I was like, why don't I actually put a little bit of effort into meeting some people 
and make some friendships. And it's worked out like I made some contacts, got some phone numbers, people invited me to come fly at their places. And yeah, I, I was likewise like pleasantly surprised by how friendly everybody was and how welcoming they were and it's been a really good experience for me. So it's awesome to hear that. Yeah. That's, that's probably my favorite part about NAFA is that every year I meet at least one new person that becomes <coughs> A lifelong friend. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. Chris Price the first year. I met Michelle, second year, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, uh, and we talk daily now. Except for Sheldon, or I met Jordan guys in Hutchinson. Yeah, yeah. Jordan was the first person I talked to in Nath and me. And I was like, man, again, scraping the bottom of the barrel. That's what was available. So. Between Nick and Graham, this is the first time I've ever met either of them. But I mean, you guys are all right. You put something funny on Facebook, I'll like it. Yeah, you know, that's what friendships really. That's value. what friendships really are. Yeah. Like, do you like my Facebook post or not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know you watch that. What? Who's liking your pages? Oh yeah. And your pictures. Oh yeah. And who's not? I know. I usually just see who's blocking me. <laughs> There's who blocked me. Yeah. So. <coughs> Jordan, we flew your Jur hybrid the first day that I was here because Graham got here Wednesday. I got in Thursday night. Um, that was it's kind of crazy. That prairie was really protective of that spot. So she harassed every bird that got in the air there. So yeah. I flew my Tundra there, and he kited his prairie close Nearby. by. Yeah, and all three of those birds she came in on. Yeah. yeah, my bird has uh, had several run-ins with prairies in the past, and I think he really wants to eat one. Mm. So I think he could do it. He, he's tried. <laughs> he, I was doing a little training flight with him one day in Idaho, and he went to, I think he was about f almost 500 feet and climbing beautifully. I had a pheasant ready for him and everything. We were going to serve him, and he just starts climbing way out away from me, and I can't figure out what he's doing watching him on the GPS. And then I see on the GPS he's folded up and he's stooping, going really fast. And then he's down, he's stooping the sage. And we get over there and he has put a prairie falcon into the sage. It's like hiding on the ground. So, yeah, he's he's tried to catch a couple of those. Not particularly a target species that we go after, <laughs> but uh, I'd rather he not do that, but it's better than him getting beat up by them. Yeah, so. that's, that's for sure. And... You can't do much about one coming over in the middle of a snowstorm and harassing your bird while you're trying to fly it on ducks. Yeah, there's enough problems with a snowstorm, but we'll just add a prairie to it. And <laughs> hopefully things will work out. Yeah. Did you end up catching anything with him when you were down here? No, I only flew him the once. Uh, he's kind of early in training. I'm going okay. for a specific uh, type of flight. I really want the bird to go super high and be overhead so I can fly you know, some of the more difficult things some of the grouse and the prairie chickens and with the high winds and low cloud ceiling and snowstorms i'm not gonna flush a duck for my bird when he's at 200 feet i've killed ducks before i'm not really that worried about catching another one i'd rather him go up to the height he needs to be at so that i can actually give him the type of flight that i want to see sure so. I, to be entirely honest i was pretty surprised you guys were turning birds out and in that weather i mean it was howling uh, it's, it blows at it home it's just trying to get the good 
early stage flights, I mean, you kind of, I personally want to be a little more picky about it and make sure it's going to work out the way I kind of want it, at least halfway the way I want it to, so that I can make the bird realize what we're supposed to be doing the way we're supposed to be doing it. Sure. On top of that, the bigger birds can handle a bit more wind, so it's not as concerning with, like, his peregrine. I mean, you throw that out there, it's going to be able to handle much more wind than the curlin. He <laughs> <laughs> just blow around a little bit. Yeah. So did you fly, uh, you flew your perlin while you are here at the meet. Did you fly your peregrine too? I droned her a little bit, but she's still, she's a, she's an IS, so it's, it's slow and steady when it's a race with those. Uh-huh. Um, so we're just training right now. I served her right before the meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and she pulled off the drone, and that went well. Uh-huh. But uh, she's not quite ready. So how do you fly a purlin? Like, is this waiting on? Is this, like, just field sparrows chasing them around, and, like like you would a merlin? Or what do you do? Yeah, it's 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 just, like, a slightly bigger merlin. Looks okay. like he grew up next to a power plant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, waiting on, he's uh purlin's my for fun bird, man. Yeah. You know, the big ones are all... You know, you're worried about pitch and everything's got to be exactly right. The purlin's just pure fun. If yeah. he goes up 100 feet, awesome. If he goes up 300 feet, cool too. Like, yeah. I'm not worried about it. Um, the prey's typically what dictates the the, the pitch. Uh-huh. Um, we, this, this is his fifth season now, so he's, um, he's pretty consistent. So, you know, if we start flushing snipe, then he goes up to his snipe pitch. If we start flying doves, he goes to his dove pitch. Huh. Um, and then, you know, each, each bird, he sort of knows where he needs to be at. <clears throat> like any other falcon, you get that yeah. perfect north wind, crisp morning, high pressure day, you know, he's going to go, he might go way up, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's other species that it's a race to, you know, the fence line or the tall grass or whatever. And, and he knows that, or they dump. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he'll adjust his pitch for that. And again, if it was a, you know, big falcon, then, you know, you you don't let that happen, but yeah, he's he's my for fun bird, so uh-huh. uh, you know, so whatever. We just go have a good time. Yeah, I had more fun flying Dan's bird this afternoon than I did mine all week. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Well, Skeeter's a bit of a an icon at these meets, isn't he? A real popular little Dan bird. is right. Everybody, everybody wants to see the purlin. I don't think anybody knows who I am, but they know the purlin. <laughs> There's a caravan of cars following you every morning. <laughs> well, Doug Pennyhan knows who you are. And... Doug's awesome. <laughs> Doug's one of my favorite people. You worked hard for that shout out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Sheldon, uh, did you fly your intermute tundra this yeah, week? She just came out of the mute. I'll, I plan on getting her on the wing this week. Gotcha. So. Uh, kite, drone. Just turn just her loose. Turn her loose and start exercising her and toss her a few pigeons and get her going up. I'm not as particular as, as Daniel or as Jordan about pitch and flight and style. I just like to have fun. Yeah. Out and let the bird do what the bird does, which is take a pitch and kill something. Mm-hmm. Jordan, how are you training your bird for pitch? I did a lot of drone training. At this point, though, we're we're pretty much. I still have the drone, and if 
you know, can't find any flights or anything, I can always put the drone up in order to get the bird, you know, at least flying and get him a good workout. But I would prefer at this point to start actually flying some game with him. Gotcha. So he can figure out that not everything comes from me or the launcher or the drone really needs to start, which he's gone after wild quarry. He's gone after ducks, and he's made some really good efforts after sharp-tailed grouse in Montana. But we're getting there. It's just I'm patient. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> the only yep. thing he's patient for the only thing I'm patient for <laughs> you have to excuse the background noise we're recording from the hotel and they're having some kind of party in the lobby so family reunion yeah little kids running around <coughs> okay so Sheldon something I wanted to ask you about <laughs> well and you guys might be able to weigh in too um, but you've seen a lot of tundra birds fly right I wouldn't say a lot I've seen a handful of rings okay about dozen or so okay different ones how would you describe their style their wing beat their movement in flight relative to the other species do they eat up the sky do they have a rapid wing beat is it a rowing wing beat do they coast a lot i think every bird's a little different okay the the pterosaurs will eat up the sky rapid wing beat fun birds and becoming more and more popular you know mm-hmm. in the first few years after we opened up peregrine taking and everybody was going after the falcons and you know they wanted duck hawks they wanted something that they could possibly fly on on sage grass or you know some larger quarry uh-huh. and then guys started getting back with these tiersels and a lot of guys just went straight for tiersels all the way mm-hmm. and they realized that these little tiersels are really capable on ducks too and i mean there's a 470 gram pterosaur up in the panhandle just just creaming mallards and i mean oh my gosh and he's a head shooting son of a gun you know so yeah. um the the falcons again a lot goes into the training and the flight style they're naturally going to look powerful and, okay you know they they come you know they're coming to us in prime condition yeah. these birds are fit these are you know, they've just made a couple thousand mile jaunt down to Padre or wherever we're trapping them. And then, you know, we're, we're spending three weeks to a month and a half getting them on the wing again, just being our partner. And they go out and they'll fly in the wind. You know, mm-hmm. they, they'll point their nose in a 30 mile an hour wind and just keep going up right above your head. Yeah. Um, they're masters of the wind. Um, they'll also fool you. Mm-hmm. The minute you think you've got them trained, and you, you, they're coming back, they might just disappear, and you know you're going on a 200 mile tail chase heading directly south. So, yeah. um, but they uh, they're they're beautiful birds. I mean, they're you know they're not as heavy wing loaded as, as you know jeers and things like that, but uh, similar to prairies, but they're, they're okay. just they're peregrines. They, yeah, you know, they're beautiful birds. They they climb a lot faster than they prairie. Do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, they don't climb like a Tiersel, for example. No, no. Uh-huh. That's that was a thing. You know, I I trapped my bird late last year on the last day of trapping season, okay. and you know we had a naff of meat coming up pretty quickly, and I wanted a bird on the wing hunting ducks. Yeah. And so I didn't waste time with the drones and the kites and you know wanting that perfect pitch and. I just decided, you know, let's get a bird that's going to honor me and stick over the head, and she's going to do the rest. She'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And those first flights, you know, 400, 300 feet, 
by the end of the season, she was going up steadily at about five, six hundred feet. You know, and this was with GPS, we met above me kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, she had, it was a slow start, kind of methodical. We had about 18, 17, 18 ducks with a couple of weeks left in duck season. Uh-huh. And then she went on a tear and we ended up with 30, you know. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm not a big head count kind of guy, but I was kind of proud of that. That was, <laughs> that was a fun season for a passage bird. And I'm sure there's guys out there that, you know, eclipse that. And mm-hmm. I've, uh, I think I've finally figured out my ponds. We moved three years ago, and I've had just the darndest time finding ducks in all these ponds. Yeah. The ranchers are always telling me, there's ducks out there. I don't know why you can't find them. I quickly realized what the problem was. You know, I don't like to get up real early. These guys do, and they're out there feeding their cattle and dropping off hay, and the ducks are gone. <laughs> uh-huh. so they're flushing them all out. So yeah. as soon as I figured out their schedule, man, they were ducks all season <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you used, you'd do that on padre too we'd be out there making the whole way down the beach and back by the time you slowly start cruising on the beach uh-huh. well hey it starts trapping midday well sheldon's got to get his 16 hours and a biscuit and then he'll get out there still traps birds though man yeah, so. yeah. we have fun i do think that is that is probably some of the funnest thing that we're legally allowed to do yeah it uh, it sure was an enjoyable time down there. You know, that's where me and Sheldon met uh, when I was down there trapping my bird. He was very kind to me and uh, made me feel very welcome down there and helped give us some tips and tricks. Uh, you know, I never, I, excuse me, having never gone down there. And, I mean, I've, I've trapped long wings, but it's been prairies with Graham. You know, and so it's very different kind of being the, one in charge of what's going on and all the moving pieces and peregrines are different enough from prairies that there's a bit of a learning curve, especially on, on the beach. beach. Yeah. yeah, that beach trapping, you know, there's, you can't do a digging, you know, like no. the old timers used to do. I'm sure we could, you know. <laughs> Dude, those gonna... biting flies out there, though. Oh, yeah. Those like, things are nasty. Because I thought about doing it, and then and then it's like you get destroyed, well, man. Yeah, be careful where you put you put that hole, too, because you see those guys that are fishing come screaming up and down that beach, We're too. just run you over. Run you over in a hurry. Um, yeah. But, you know, there, there's plans underway to try to get permission back on the flats where some of the banders are going and maybe mm-hmm. putting some blinds out there. Because... If you sit out there and you watch them, you see those birds screaming, heading south on the yeah. back side of the dunes. The ones that we're getting are the ones that are hitting the dunes or sitting right there on the beach, right in front of us. It seemed like the birds that you were seeing on the beach had either just missed a shot mm-hmm. at, that it took at something and they just happened to land where you could see them, or they had just got done eating something, right. and they're still there before they hop back onto the dunes and take a rest before heading on south. And that's what they're doing. They're hunting. You know, they're yeah. fattening themselves up. I had a couple goals before uh, that I wanted to meet before catching a bird down there. One, I wanted to see a peregrine because I'd never even seen a wild peregrine. You know, we get them come through Missouri, but not very frequently, and I had never seen one. I've I've seen a few birds. I'm like, and eh, that could have been, but no, never a definite one. So, obviously, saw a few before I caught one. I wanted to see one hunting mm-hmm. and I got to see one tail chase a, a tearsome tail chase some little shorebird mm-hmm. back in the dunes and man he was hauling oh it was they've got another gear when they're oh yeah the, especially on the flats right where the water would come in that's always loaded back there and you see a tearsome on the deck and it's like a rooster tail coming behind because those <laughs> birds are just 
and they're just making run after run. We watched. We we got out there, and, and there was a passage church when we were sitting there, and he was eating on something, and couldn't tell what it was, and it was a little, and he finished it. He got right up and just did another run straight down. It smoked another bird, came down and landed, ate that thing. God, I did another run through there and caught another one. It's just like, you're... You're a badass. <laughs> I want you. Can I say that? Can I say that? Oh, yeah, you're good. Okay. Right. It takes a lot of calories to get from the Arctic to South America. It does. Those tiercels are just, that's where it's at, though, man. Like, you know. They are. The, we, we had a pigeon down one time, and and, uh, and we had a bird on it, and then three more came in to land on it and just start food begging next to it. Yeah. So we go out and toss another pigeon. We get one on that one, toss another pigeon. We had three birds down on pigeons <laughs> at the same time. And another couple come in and just start food bagging. It's like most of them never kill a thing in their life by the time they make the pottery. The big females mm-hmm. just rob all the time or beg. But those tiercels, they were making a living the whole way down. Yeah. And doing it twice as much as they should probably because they kept getting robbed. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, they don't, they're not, they don't seem as inclined to the swoop and scoop either. Excuse me. Which is what the females do. They're, and, and some of them hit. I know that. But like, most of them bind. They come up underneath and bind stuff, whereas the tiercels are smaller, they've got to come down and, and punch it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that combined with that just, you know, zippy wing beat and stuff, I mean, tiercels are where it's at. We I didn't think. see that many tiercels. It seemed like... It was, t- yeah, there were, there were fewer this year. And, you know, when they came in early, I think. Mm-hmm. They came in early? Interesting, because they're either, you know, it's like there's that big... From what the data says, or whatever, you know, there's the the hags are moving in there, and then there's some tiercels in with that, but then most of the tiercels we trap are at the very end yeah, of the we, trapping part. There were no tiercels trapped at the end. Really? It was, it was funny. We had a lot of falcons trapped. I mean, it was like three or four to one. Yeah. Yeah. If not more. I wonder if it has to do with the migration this year, though, because it's it been be. really weird. You know, yeah. I was, we were talking about snipe earlier. Right. I think it was you and I were talking about it. But, you know, I, I normally get like a week and a half, maybe, to fly snipe in the fall before they head out of Oklahoma. I got close to two months of snipe hawking in this year. Hmm. And, like, and I was flying snipe up until I headed to Great Bend uh, last week to finish up the land stuff before the NAF. I mean, I was still flying snipe. Cold up north and warm down here. And they just I guess, I don't know. I mean, just every everything's thrown off. Same with the ducks. Like, the duck migration seems to be different. And well, we had an early you know. winter. We had no fall in Texas. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder if summer to winter. Yeah. Winter. I wonder if the peregrine migration hit a similar deal, though, and that's, like, the tiercels were still later, but it was pushed back, so it was later after... Trapping season closed. I don't have any idea. It's just what is talking. <laughs> what is hawking snipe like? Oh, it's great, man. It is super fun. I really enjoy flying snipe, man. If you want to hear about snipe hawking, you need to talk to uh, Chris Price in Arkansas. Mm. That guy tears it up. Heath Gardner does it some too, but um, that's who who got me into flying snipe is Chris Price. He flies uh, Passage Thunderbirds. He's got two tiercels. One he got in Padre, and then one he trapped there in Arkansas, and uh, and he pretty much exclusively flies dove and snipe with him, and it's awesome. Separate? Or yeah, yeah, he flies them separate. Uh-huh. <clears throat> He's been flying little guy for a while. He was like the second or third peregrine trapped in Arkansas once they opened it back up. It's like seven years or so. He's had little guy for. He's had him for a while. I mean, he had him when I first met him in Hatch, and he was in adult plumage then, but. Little bitty one, that bird was crazy. Like he trapped that thing, was flying it free in like a week. 
Yeah. Well, it was just, it's, and like above trapway. Like, it's, I don't know, that, that bird's pretty cool. Classic tundra looking, like super light color. You know, it was blonde as could be. He showed me the passage picture and just beautiful. Uh, and then the Padre bird is more, is what you were seeing down there. That's sort of more dark colored one, a little mm-hmm. bit bigger. Um, the blondes definitely came down later. After we, you left, we saw just tons of blondes. We saw a few, but it was mostly really the dark, dark birds. birds. Yeah. <coughs> so when you're flying sniper, you flying them with like a dog? Are they going? How are you? What are those? Right things? now, it's just me. Um, Langevin sent a setter puppy home with my boy for his birthday over the weekend, which I'm not happy about. But <laughs> so I guess I'm going to be uh, flying flying snipe over a setter now. Uh, but no, it's typically just me. Uh, Price runs a Springer Spaniel. Okay. Um, uh, he has for a while now. He's, right. He picked up. He used to fly a Perlin. He had a female Perlin. He flew for seven years, and he picked up Hurley was his first Springer. And and he flew with that Perlin, and then uh, and then he's got Jesse now, um, and uh, and he runs Springers, but I I don't I I typically just um, walk him up. Uh-huh. Uh, you know I go, I don't typically ever fly on spec, you know, so I know where there's birds. You know I'm driving around, I see, you know, three hundred doves go put down in a stubble field, or um, for snipe, for example, I have my snipe spots where. Mm-hmm. Where are those? I'll send you pin drops. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you right to them with my names and phone numbers. Yeah. There's an app for that. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's like as soon as I get all your chicken spots, you you'll get those snipe ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, so I've got like some you know some ponds that just always hold snipe in the during snipe time when they're there. You know, so a couple weeks in the fall and then. I'll get them for a few weeks in the spring, too. Um, and I just know they're going to be there. I'll sit there in glass and stare at it for 20 minutes, and then it's like, okay, there's a snipe. And it, they're rarely by themselves. So if you see one, you're like, all right, there's going to be there's gonna be a few more out there. Um, and then I found a killer field this year that um, it had been an old hay meadow. And they, you know, bulldozed it and put in irrigation, all that stuff to build a neighborhood. And then they, you know, haven't built it yet. So mm-hmm. there's like roads running through it or whatever that are paved, but they disturbed the earth and the grass came back up and it's, you know, oh, inch or two tall and, and it just floods uh-huh. there's sheet water all <laughs> over the bottom part of it. And it was loaded out with doves earlier this year. So that's what I was flying and never made it down to the marshy area. Um, because he just kept killing doves before I get there. Mm-hmm. Finally, one day I get down there, and finally to the marsh area, I get like 50 snipe out of it, and it's like, oh, crap. Oh, like, I, sh- I should have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, you know, but they're going to build houses all over it. So it's yeah. not like, you know, I need to manage it and not fly it too much and keep the yeah. birds in there and all that stuff. It's like, hey, they're going to migrate out. Fly and then be, There's going to be houses all over it, so, if, you know, hit it before yeah. it's gone. And I spent all of my fall hawking this year in that one field pretty much wow. which isn't great on pitch for your bird because once you know it's like flying the same duck pond all the time with your bird you know they figure out exactly how it's going to work so they, they do. get down to efficiency but uh, <coughs> it's uh yeah snipe hawking chris price is your man that's who you huh. should talk to that guy 
And he's got an awesome accent, so it'll make a great podcast. It'll make a really <laughs> good podcast. Yeah, so he'll he'll yeah. tell you. Yeah, ask him where he's from. <laughs> he's from Arkansas. No, well, he'll tell you he's from White County. Uh, White? White. <laughs> we go, go kill some snap. <laughs> I love that boy. He's uh, I met him my first half of me, and uh, like we were talking about earlier, and he's he's one of my best Falconer buds. He's, he's a great guy. And a darn good falconer, very, very, very astute, very um, uh, just natural at it. Flies his birds in such high condition. I mean, they're like, you know, I, I, I look at him, I'm like, that bird's fat. And he's like, nope, that bird's the way it should be. And then it goes up 1,400 feet in the air, and it's like, all right, <laughs> I know nothing. Yeah. Was he, he here this week? Yeah, he was. I don't think I met him when he was here. Yeah, he's a good guy, really good guy, and he knows about snipe. Just a little bit. He's been getting, I mean, you know, there's just not a lot of people that fly snipe here in the mm-hmm. States. They're, you hard, know. they're hard prey to fight in some cases. Yeah, it yeah. Was, uh, that was one of the only available quarries. I mean, when I first started flying falcons at a female barbary in Georgia, and I'm not sure if anyone knows this, but Georgia is not exactly duck-hawking capital of the United States. It's not? No, no, it's really not. So, <laughs> pretty, pretty much, pretty much, no. No. <laughs> That's peaches. There's what? Peaches. Yeah, you can't fly this. So, the main quarry you can get there is basically flying dove, morning doves, uh, pigeons, miscellaneous, and you occasionally could find a duck pond. But normally you just find a pond, and around that pond would be morning doves or snipe. And that's kind of what you'd wind up getting to fly. And uh, snipe makes really good birds look really bad. <laughs> yeah. they're they're an amazing flying bird they can do all kinds of maneuvers that will just make your falcon miss every time I've seen woodcock do some pretty crazy things with birds in the air around them but I imagine they're, they're similar to how snipe fly if I had to guess you know, they're similar build they're, sort of I mean they look real similar but their fly pattern is pretty different is um I don't know a lot about woodcock. I flew a few of them with um, with an imprint, a uh, female Cooper's hawk. And those flights were awesome. Uh, she never caught one, but they'd go out of sight every time. Like mm-hmm. with you know, if, if you got Cooper's on your butt and you're hauling, you know, a long way, like you know, those birds have some moves. I've also seen red tails just come out of the tree and hammer them on the ground, and it's like that's lame. But <laughs> when they're flying, like yeah. they can put on some stuff. But yeah, snipe snipe come up and they're. Zigzagging. Zigzagging. But it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like anything else. It's like when you see a really good grouse hawk that makes, you know, chickens look easy. Uh-huh. And you're like, they're not easy. You know, you have Chris Price and his tenders. Um, you know, they make, he makes snipe look easy. Like, it's easy. <laughs> but that's, that's a good bird. You know, that's mm-hmm. good falconers and good birds. Uh, anything can become easy. But in general, like, I think... Sniper are a really great quarry. I'd, I'd love to see him fly, flown. Someday. Yeah, well, come on, man. I appreciate the Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas, they have it's made the setups awesome. So they have all these rice fields, right? Mm-hmm. And there's yeah. these big canals all over them, and they they flood these fields, and because uh, it's 
Isn't it one of the, like the biggest duck hawking mm-hmm. or duck hunting like with shotguns or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, like in the whole U.S. Jerry like, Jones has a huge duck hunting freaking I don't know farm out there. Huh. It's, what are they called? Probably like for the, win- for the winter time, Arkansas's like economy is probably based off duck hawking or yeah. duck hunters coming in. Yeah, they have and, those and big duck hunting clubs and things. Yeah, like that. yeah, but they flood out these fields for the duck hunting. That's their huge deal. And mm-hmm. then they drain, drain it all off. It's just mud, you know, muddy rice fields. Snipe habitat. Shot full of yeah, yeah, birds. <laughs> we're we're at in Arkansas. I see it. Oh, you want a pin drop too? Well, yeah. <laughs> General area where he lives. Oh, I, I'm, like he probably doesn't want me telling me. Yeah, okay. I'm sitting over here thinking, it's like, dang, Chris is probably like, damn it, like, stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, but they have a little get together every year. Are we not supposed to talk about that either? That's like the invite only thing. You mm-hmm. just lost your invitation by the <laughs> <laughs> I don't fly snipe, but, I mean, it's, you know, we do the squirrel meets and squirrel get-togethers, and you got the eagle guys, and I know there's the Merlin guys and their Merlin things, and these there's a few guys that all they fly is snipe, and they get together and they fly their snipe. Yeah, the redneck snipe hawking meet. And it's it's a great little get-together. I've heard incredible things about it. I didn't know there were were that many guys that... That did that. So no, I'm not too far from. It's not. It's a very. It's a very small. It is. It's a small. Well, it's when, when you don't. When you really want to fly falcons, but you don't live where you have ducks or grouse. Or, yeah. You get creative. You know? So you learn to fly what you got. Chris. Yeah. Chris had a permit this year. He was down the Padre. Oh yeah. Was he? Yeah, and but he trapped a female, mm-hmm. and he didn't. You know, so time was up. You know, and he trapped a female, and somebody else was looking for a female, so. You know, he ended up transferring the bird to a friend because he didn't get another male. You know? mm-hmm. And that's that's the problem is, you know, you you get a bird for the prey you have, and they've got snipe, and so that's yeah. you've got to be very particular about the bird you get. Yeah, yeah. they're I, loaded with ducks, but <clears throat> the slips are like was big, super difficult. Big you know, these big, and all that. Yeah, well, there's very very few ponds. It's all these like canals and ditches and stuff. Oh. And Chris is again. He's a he's a student of it. So it's like his birds are flying high. You know they got to be flying high when you're flushing. You know a hundred ducks on this thing and they're running right through it. You know around it and he's coming in and putting them back in. You know we gotta get Chris to write a book on snipe hawking. I think so too, man. Ryan talked about it. He was like, man, Nafa, you should. Should do a talk on little bird hawk, and I'm like, no, no, I'm not gonna do it. You need guys like Jim Ince yeah. and Chris Price, and like these guys, are, <coughs> right? Jim you know, Ken Riddle and yeah. stuff like that. These guys that have, that have done some serious micro hawking. Tanner, uh, Tanner Schwab, Tanner Schwab, Eric yeah. Edwards. These guys, it's like, you don't want me to talk. Like, <laughs> there's you, you get the you get the OGs, man. Yeah, one bird does not yet make a falcon. No, <laughs> no, he definitely does not. <laughs> but. uh so what's the range like on a snipe flight? Like, you know, they stoop. Do you have to kill them pretty much outright on that initial stoop? Otherwise, you, they're going to dodge. Yeah, you're not going to tail chase one down typically. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, if they get a piece on it, like, you know, if they hit it hard, you might. But then they typically be going for cover. But, um, uh, <clears throat> no, your bird's coming in on it, and if they miss, they're pretty much going up now. Yeah. And they're gone. Yeah. Um, 
You can't see our hand gestures, but we're showing you how it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just picture it. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I've seen a little guy tail chase down a snipe, like, you know, come in, whip over and go. But, again, that's that's a confident bird. Well, they come in, and here's the hand gestures you can't see, but they come in, the snipe will do this, and the bird, Zigzag and that snipe just pulls up and leaves. It's yeah. gone. There's a guy named uh, Eric Witowski. Or something like that. He's uh, he lives over in um, Ireland, maybe. I don't know. He runs an Irish setter, and he he just hawks snipe with with peregrines, and he uh, he makes these awesome YouTube videos. And at the end hmm. of the season, he'll do like a compilation of the whole the whole season or whatnot. And so if you just go on YouTube and do like snipe hawking twenty seventeen or whatever, you'll yeah. find. And it'll be like 30 minutes of just snipe flights over and over again, and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's what, I mean, seeing Chris, of course, but then watching his videos is, uh, that'll tell you exactly how snipe flights go, pretty much. Like, okay. And they're just, they're some of the best videos on YouTube. <laughs> so I, I don't know if you've ever been to it or, or what, but Eric Edwards also has a website. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. He had a website. It's, it's basically just... A bunch of stuff about flying merlins and flying snipe and using peregrines, all all sorts of different birds. What was I think it was like? He wrote an article in one of the American Falconry or Hawk Chuck, one of them, like the hunt for Bob. Yeah, he, snipe he, named Bob or yeah, something like that. Bob. I remember it, it was a really good article. article. And then he had like a whole website with a bunch of different information about it, and it was some really good stuff. Probably not too hard to find on Google either. I got a lot of tips for my first Marlin off of that website. Yeah. This is, did you say Eric Edwards? Eric Edwards. Yeah, yeah, Florida guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he helped me with my first Marlin, too. Oh, okay. Super nice guy, mm-hmm. super good Falcon. I've never met him. He was, but like when I started Falcon, he was like on like NAFX and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. so and he was flying Merlins and doing stuff, and I was like, oh. So you can tell you, Eric yeah. Edwards, this is what he does right now. He has. Like a passage Merlin. Yeah. And he takes his boat and he goes out to these little islands, uh, like in the marshes and stuff, and flies his Merlin on these little islands, little birds. Yeah. And then when he gets done with the Merlin, fly fishes for redfish. And <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome. Like, that's everyone's life. Like, he, yeah. He jealous. does post a lot of good fishing pictures. Yeah. Do y'all fish? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, I like fishing. I'm a gearhead, but I. I just got into fly fishing like this oh, year. Oh, there you go. I yeah. suck at it, but it's super fun. Yeah. Like, so what are you fishing for down there in Oklahoma? Fly oh, fly. I mean, so we've got, like, <laughs> the lower Illinois and stuff like that where they, they put trout in there and whatnot. Oh, okay. And so, you know, that was that was my first experience with fly rods. But, you know, we hit, we hit farm ponds and catch, you know, bass. and Lower mountain. You know, we've got, you know, in the Arkansas River there, we've got striper in there. And so, yeah. like, I go out with my buddy, and he's got his, you know, nine weight or whatever, and he's throwing for striper and catching striper. Like, yeah, those are ocean big striper that come up there, aren't they? Or? Well, no, so th- so they're not, but these things were introduced, I don't know, a long time ago, and they're in, like, the Arkansas River. and Still um, 10, 15. And they're in, like, mm-hmm. and there's hybrids, too, with the striper and the sand bass or whatever, but they've been there forever, and they're, they're uh, you know, you I don't even know how big a striper is. I mean, they're they're freaking. Someone can be monsters, and even the little ones. You know, you get one that's 
12 inches or whatever on a light fly rod and they're I've seen some pulled out of like pictures of ones pulled out of rivers in Georgia that mm-hmm. weren't ocean going, but I think the biggest one was probably like 40, 50 pounds. Yeah, uh, and they so get they get way bigger than that yeah. in Arkansas. It, 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 <coughs> ocean going ones can get even bigger. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, we're getting way off. But if you want to go fly fishing for trout in Oklahoma, the lower mountain fork in southeast Oklahoma. I see you're blowing Sheldon, somebody's spot up now. Me and Sheldon have been there. <laughs> yeah. We had Lower a, Mountain yeah, Fork's cool. We yeah, had a right. really good time. Me and Sheldon and a couple other guys went fishing. Dan yeah. wouldn't come. He was really lame. But was, uh, I was still hawking. I fly the part of one late into the spring. It, but, it was uh, a, we had a great time. Yeah. Great Lower time. Illinois is awesome, too, because you can do the trout, and then when they start generating, during, during when spawn happens, the the striper come up through there. Really? And they just eat all those trout, because trout, don't, they don't have any idea what's going on. Right. So we'll go out. Huh? Is there smallmouth in there, too? There's smallmouth in the upper. Okay. But uh, we take the kayaks, and you hook into a striper in a kayak. I haven't done it yet because I can't. I suck at striper fishing. Uh But, you know, I fish for uh, gar out of the kayaks, you know, and catch big, long nose gar or whatnot. When you hook into one of those in a kayak, you just start going. Yeah. (laughs) You're in stopping. You're just fighting that thing. You eat them? No, no, I just catch them for fun. I throw. like a crappie jig, and I'll get nylon rope and tie a knot in the top, and then fray mm-hmm. it, and yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, and it just snags on their teeth or whatever. You don't, right. They don't get hooked yeah. with a hook. But, yeah, uh, do the same thing with the fly rod, except you don't use the jig head, mm-hmm. so you don't overdo the because that nylon rope gets heavy when it's right. Wet. So if you don't use the jig head, you can still cast it with the fly rod. But my biggest one I've caught is like seventeen pounds. Really? You like scallops? Years. I gotta go try that. I've never done that. I. I'll didn't see, think I did, but I had them the other day, and they were all right, so I don't know yet. It's, Jury's still out on scallops. Gar is real similar to that. It's really? Like it's a meatier texture to the to the actual flesh. Yeah. Bring tin snips. I was just, that's that's what I was going to ask you. It's like, how do you clean that thing? Tin it's snips. like arm. When like I used to catch them in Georgia, they were so bony, we never bothered cleaning them. But there was this old black dude that lived right outside of the town, and he always wanted them, so we just take them by there and give them to him. They're actually really not that hard. So if you, if you take just like short nose tin snips and you run it all the way up the spine, and you just peel those plates back, and then they come out like a deer loin. It's just this big. I really? Yeah. I yeah. hadn't tried well, to clean them that way. When I was still living in Georgia and like learning to fly fish, the old guy that was showing me how to do it, he was uh, crazy. You're probably a good way to put it. He was pretty crazy. Right. You get the gar up beside the, the boat, and he'd pull out his twenty two pistol and shoot it. Yeah. He says, I don't like them when they're flopping in the boat. <laughs> so we would take them, and he'd always want to give them to that old black dude. And I think was, he was trading like firewood for him or something. I don't know. But that's kind of what we always did. We'd go catch a bunch of gar, and on the way back to the house, we'd drop them off at this dude's place. Yeah. So that's just, I never ate them, but gar can be. A lot of fun. Sight in Georgia, we would go sight fishing for them. Like August mm-hmm. it was super hot. The water was really low. The oxygen levels in the water are super low, and the gar can actually come up to the top and gulp air and get mm-hmm. get that extra oxygen. Right. So you just sight fish for them. <coughs> a lot of fun. We we're way off of Falcon Rail. Well, hey, we. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, fun, so we, I. Yeah, fish flatheads in the Missouri when I was in college. We'd go over there and go out on the wing dikes, and you'd have your poles in on the eddy on the 
upriver side, and then you'd be playing around with the gar on the back side because they'd all come by the wing dikes. And I'd bring my bow with me. I'd bow fish for the, nice. the carp that were there. <clears throat> yeah, it would be a good time. Yeah. Um, See, now I need to eat one. I mean, it's really light-colored meat. It's almost like yeah. crappie-colored. Yeah, like, it's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's kind of one of those things, you know, people talk about how bad something is. 95% of them haven't actually tried it. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've heard people tell me, oh, wild turkey is terrible. It is some of, like, it's very fine eating. Yeah. Like, there's no, absolutely nothing wrong with it. How do you cook your turkey? I, any different number of ways. Smoke it. I really like pounding it out super thin, breading it in panko and pan frying it. Mm-hmm. A little well, lemon on it. It's good. Sounds yummy. I like pheasant that way, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done that with pheasant. No, not turkey. I've never tried wild turkey, believe it or not. Really? That's good stuff. I've never been a big turkey hunter. Just seem lazy, man. You know, you just gotta call them in. <laughs> come to Missouri. <laughs> I'd like to. It. Uh, I'd like to come to Missouri for your deer too. I saw your pictures. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. I got pretty lucky this year. Shot a good one. Texas, we got these little bitty goats. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pay ten thousand dollars because they got a big rack on them. It's like, come on, guys. It's a nice eight pointer this morning. Yeah. Didn't find any ducks. Did see an eight pointer. Wasn't our first trip to Kansas? We saw this. Oh, so not the first. Yeah, not our first trip to Kansas, but it was like my first time seeing like a big Kansas (coughs) deer. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were riding around checking for duck ponds, and this thing looks like an elk walking down the side of the 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 dirt road. He was just this thick bodied. I mean, at least a 12, 14 point huge spread on him. He's just like lumbering along, barely could jump the barbed wire fence. He's so big. (laughs) I'm like. All right, Taylor, I'm going to get close beside him. You reach out the window and hit him with the knife. <laughs> Let's take him home. <laughs> yeah, those those big mature bucks are something else. They're just, it, it's almost like a whole different animal. The way they behave, the way they carry themselves, it's... Oh, this dude was a brute. Yeah. He, I, he was big. I like chasing them around. They're fun. Mm-hmm. I'm too ADD for that. I can't <laughs> sit. Like, that's why yeah. I hawk. Man. Yeah. Like, There's, that's I had to be problem. moving. That's me. There's I mean, lots of guys that spot and stalk, especially in open, if you've got open country, yeah. you get away with a lot more on a whitetail than people think you can. Yeah. That's, yeah. My, that's my plan next year with my longbow. But not muleys? No. Can you do that with mules too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, because like, those things are huge. Like, I think if I was going to ever go hunt a deer, I think I'd, I'd go for a muley. That was the way I was yeah, taught to hunt. Yeah, I'm originally from Africa. Mm-hmm. So we would, we were told you never hunt around water. And you stalk. I mean, you go find them, and then you stalk them down. You, you know? never, because it's ethics-wise, you don't go mm-hmm. hunt where they're getting water. Huh. That's awesome. Well, I think it's, it comes from, like, a lot of the the hunting sitting in a deer stand. Away. Yeah. It's like the East Coast where your hunting tracks are rather small. Yeah. You know, you're looking at, like, 100 acres of the big lot mm-hmm. in, in, on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't stalk around 50 acres, you know. You have to just kind of... Well, and I get away. it here, too, because... You know, hunting's kind of expensive mm-hmm. for a lot of people, and you kind of want to be successful. So, how do you increase your success rate? You bait them in with a find a good feeder, spot. or yeah, you find a good spot. I want to try to stalk them on the the uh, public land in Idaho with the that's, longbow. Like I said, that's the way I did. That would be a lot of fun. I'll probably miss a bunch. <laughs> are there mule deer in like Western Oklahoma or no? Yeah, there are. Yeah, there's muleys there. Huh. 
No, but if you want to get some good numbers, you'd come more up into Kansas. But, okay. But yeah, there there's mule deer out there in pronghorn, and then big old whitetails too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was like a new state record killed in Oklahoma this year. Probably. I don't. I don't keep up yeah. on my deer. It was huge. Deer is king though. When you go and get permission in Oklahoma, you knock on the door and you say, "Hi, my name is Dan." Before they shut the door, you say, "I have no interest in deer." They're like, okay, I'm going to talk to you. My birds will not touch your deer. <laughs> they, they will not do that. No. I will leave your deer alone. I will stay out of the woods. Do you guys have much for quail there in Oklahoma? Um, you know, out in western Oklahoma, quail numbers are really good. Where I'm at, I'm in more north, uh, northeast part of Oklahoma, and the quail are, like, I don't hunt them. Uh, where, I, where I hack the falcons... Uh, <clears throat> there's some coveys on there. That's one of my favorite parts, you know, with the birds sitting out on the table. Um, sun's coming up, and you just hear the bob whites just talking. I love it. Uh, and we were actually talking about this earlier. You know, I uh, quail look like they're standing still when the purlin's coming down. They're just, they're, he's never missed one. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't hunt them. It's just not, I have no interest in killing them. I'd rather... I'd rather go flush a covey and take pictures of it, but I'm not going to hunt them. But out in, out in the panhandle, there's good numbers of bobwhites, and there are a lot of scaly quail. Really? Um, and I've never caught a scaly with him, so I might put him up over over scaly just for the species count. But Have you ever uh, flown them? Scalies? Or, yeah. Um, I flew them one time. I had a... <clears throat> it was freaking cold up in the panhandle, and... And scaly quail, which I didn't know they do, and maybe they don't, maybe it's just a weird thing, but it was like three or four cubbies all got together. Oh, or maybe more than that, maybe yeah. six or so. And and I was going around um, checking for dove where I'd been seeing them, and, and I turned around this pig barn, and I started driving in, and I'm not joking, I flushed like a hundred scaly quail out into this Milo stubble field. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. <laughs> um and they, you know, they run like pheasants, and there's so not they'll much run cover. with him up in the air. Um, yeah, they did a little bit, uh, which I was surprised. But um, what also surprised me was, uh, and actually, I misspoke earlier. He has missed quail before. Okay. And it was scaly quail. It was those. Yeah. Uh, they seem to have way better moves in the air than Bob White did. Hmm. Um, again, if, if you're flying a weight on falcon on quail. You have an absolutely perfect setup, or mm-hmm. you don't have a flight, you know, because mm-hmm. they'll just dump, and uh, and and yeah, I got two good flushes on them because they just blew. Like when I started going out, like I'd kick like forty at one time, and then the other, you know, group took or a bunch of them took off while he was chasing those, and then so I got two flushes, and uh, and they pulled some moves, and he missed. That being said, it was like his first season, so okay. I don't think that would happen anymore, but yeah, but yeah, they pulled good moves. I was surprised, and they took a pretty decent hit from him too. <coughs> huh. But I don't know. I don't know anything about hunting scaly quail. Yeah, they sure are neat looking though. Yeah, yeah I like the patterns on those birds. They're really cool. Yeah, we oh, just have bobwhites where tops. I'm at though. Yeah, yeah, they're neat. Uh, Gala Salvati that did. Mm-hmm. She was one of the meat photographers. She's an Oklahoma falconer. She's an incredible artist. Um, she did a pencil drawing of a scaly quail from a photo she took at one of the OFA meets out in the panhandle, and it is badass. Like, yeah. you should see that. It's one of 
it's just it's really cool i don't know what it is about really good pencil drawings that i really really enjoy you know, there's just something about them that i find really striking falconer katana katana what's his name i don't know who are you uh, talking about he's a he's a falconer he, he does pencil drawings yeah some of the best art you'll ever see mm-hmm. and in in his artwork you'll actually hide other animals so you'll be looking at a like a peregrine falcon on a glove or something that he drew. And in it, he's hidden a wolf and a buffalo, and you've got to find it. Oh, no kidding. In, hmm. Yeah, it was a meat print we had for Alamosa in 2007, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or maybe 13, but yeah, one of the neatest little things. That sounds cool. That sounds cool. Yeah. So, well, it's been fun. Really enjoyed talking to you guys. Yeah. Uh, but I'm seeing some red eyes. Time to go to bed. I think. It's been a long time to week. go to bed for me. Yeah. This, this is way past my bedtime. Well, sorry we sidetracked like completely away from talking. Pretty no, much. No, no. It, no. It's been a great conversation. A great weekend. Really enjoyed meeting you guys, and hope uh, this is the start to some uh, long-term friendships. Absolutely. Riding the wool on the beach, you know. Once you've <laughs> once you've been in the Padre, that's a brotherhood that you uh, not you don't soon forget. Well. Need to get you down there, Graham. Mm-hmm. It's he, whether he, you ever want to fly a peregrine or not. You should just go for the Padre. Do, I do want to do it for there. the heritage of it. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. I mean it's it's awesome, thing, dude. You'll so. see you'll see Apamatos down there. You'll see. I'd never seen a white-tailed hawk before I went to Padre for the first time. Those birds are nuts. It right. looks like a furry just hooked up with a hair sock or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They're, right. they're, they're weird birds. birds. Yeah, they're hugs. huge. Did you know they eat like birds almost exclusively? Yeah. Huh. Like those huge hogs. Quail. Yeah. Uh, Phenomenal in quail. Especially if you really good on rabbits. Somebody wrote an article where they flew one for rehab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just saying, back in the day, there's some super old like hawk shocks and stuff talking about hawk and whitetail hawks. Interesting. Well, yeah. we can't do it. It's one of, what, three birds we can't have now? They're threatened. But, you know, it's one of those species, we're just on its fringe, so it's threatened. Yeah. Well, we're and on you the go down to Mexico, oh. there's tons of them. Well, know. the range map says they're only on the Texas coast. When I lived near Austin, we had, like, multiple pairs within yeah. 10 miles of the house. Really? Yeah. But, yeah, Padre's, Padre's insane. Yeah. You're driving up down an island, there's, like, jackrabbits sitting out there. And yeah. Jackrabbits, crazy-looking coyotes. Yeah. yeah, right? Those coyotes are weird. Did you yeah. see the deer? Yeah, we saw a couple bucks when we were out there. One pretty, pretty nice little yeah, white tail. We saw a big group of males, and it was a nice big buck leading them. Yeah, leading them. yeah. You'll see it's, more peregrines before noon than you've seen your whole life. That is definitely true. When when they're flying, and and they're neat to watch hunting. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, quickly, I know you want to wrap it you're, up. But you're good. A couple of years ago, we were trapping for Axel, a friend of ours from Fort Worth, and. He's messing with the nooses on the pigeon, and he's not paying attention. I'm driving the truck, and just in front of me, there's some little shorebirds, little little ones. Um, forget the names now. The little small ones, and there's about eight or ten of them. And the dunes, you know, the, there's some dune areas where you can see out into the dunes, and then mm-hmm. there's some areas where you're you can't see past your window because it's you know the shores eroded right up to it, and just in front of me, his peregrine just goshawked right over it, grabbed one of his birds, off out, and bent back over into the dunes. 
And I was like, there's a falcon. And he threw the pigeon out the window. Without <laughs> <laughs> even looking. He's just like, falcon. Did you see that falcon? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, but it's like, you see the, just the neatest things. And, and I mean, it happened like three feet from the front bumper of the truck. And I mean, it's, it's like, wow. <laughs> I mean, you've got Harris hawks out on the beach. Prairies out on the beach. Then all the different peregrines. You know, the yeah. multiple colors the different crested car cars yeah that was parker's favorite part of the whole thing he wanted to see care care i took my boy last year Mm. uh because i told him about the magic of padre this year it was the worst year of trapping ever (laughs) like i built it up for years and years and he was like this kind of sucks when we go to the sea turtle rescue (laughs) so this year there's a front i think it came in right after you left big cold Mm. front the big one and we were out on the beach, and we saw it coming. And Vanders were out on the other side, but it was one of these wall clouds that was blowing in. And, I mean, the wind was 30, 40 miles an hour behind. It was ripping. But we were still, and you could see it coming. And we are driving north on the beach. And we decided to go into that little wash area and come back out. And as we're coming back out, looking east, under the gulf, here comes that wall cloud. And, I mean, it came in like, something out of Game of Thrones or something. And it's just this black wall cloud, real low, and then in front of it, because all the wind were shorebirds as far as you could see out into the ocean, and gulls and pelicans, just just, just this massive, morphous thing of birds just flying out in front of that front just as, it's, that as it's going. And, you know, after it went through, there were a couple of birds and... Than nothing for two days. Because yeah. that front came in and just blew everything out of there. And I mean, I've never seen anything like that. It was like, wow. <laughs> I wish I'd videoed it or taken pictures, but man, it was the neatest thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a special place. But it's uh, magical. It definitely is. That's a good note to end on. There you go. Thanks for listening and happy hawking. <laughs>